With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here coming to you again this week to talk about Formula One and as the season dwindles down. I know I've been whining about that for the last couple of weeks, but hey, it is what it is. Finally here in the Pacific Northwest, we've had some very nice weather the past couple of days. I don't mind telling you guys that it has just been miserable here for the past week or 10 days and I usually don't complain about the weather too much but hey when it takes two and a quarter hours to get home from work on a drive that usually takes me 30 minutes I think it's uh I think it's my right definitely my prerogative to complain about it uh, a little bit but it's uh, certainly been nice a little bit chilly in the mornings but nice and sunny lovely fall weather and uh, really love it uh, this time of year when we can uh, get something quite nice but boy it was something the last couple of weeks kind of was almost uh, intense and rainy like it was back in Hockenheim back in the middle of the summer. It was that kind of like level of rain. Not uh, not very pleasant. Anyways, let's talk about Formula One. That's what we're here to talk about, of course. That's why we get together each and every week. And of course, uh, leading up to the Mexican Grand Prix this weekend, there's uh, lots and lots of news to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the race itself. And well, the one thing we don't really need to look too far into, that is the Constructors' Championship because that was wrapped up by Mercedes the other week at Suzuka at the Japanese Grand Grand Prix. The Silver Arrows have more silverware, pun intended, with uh, 612 points in the Constructors' Championship. Way ahead of Ferrari, 433, Red Bull, 323, and then a bunch of other people. McLaren, Renault, fourth in the World Championship, uh, with 111 points, uh, which is, uh, well, a very, very good season for them. Uh, they've been, uh, I, I think, uh, impressive in my mind all throughout the year as they've uh, slowly but surely this year. Well, more than slowly, actually. I mean, after a number of years really wallowing in the depths of uh, Formula One, they've made some substantial and uh, concrete improvement this year and uh, it reflects nicely to see uh, McLaren way up in the, uh, the the best of the rest and hopefully we can see them progress into 2020 and beyond and hopefully see them challenging for some podiums at some point uh, and maybe dare we say race victories but uh, they've got a long way to go before that and of course on the world championship side for the drivers it is still Lewis Hamilton's race or sorry championship to lose Lewis on top with 338 points Valtteri Bottas second with 274 Charles Leclerc, third in the World Championship with 223. Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel, 212 points each. Carlos Sainz, 76 points, a point ahead of uh, Pierre Gasly from Toro with 75. Alexander Albon, Albon, sorry, 64 points. Sergio Perez, 37 points. And Lando Norris, the second McLaren driver, rounds out the top 10 in the Drivers' World Championship with 35 points. So there we go. It's... Uh, 
it's going to be interesting this weekend. I think, obviously, like I say, it is Lewis Hamilton's uh, championship to lose. And, of course, when it comes to the the whole thing where mathematically Valtteri Bottas can still catch his teammate and beat him in uh, beat him to the line and, and win the world championship, there would be need to be so many freak and bizarre things happen to Lewis and have a, a run of bad luck that would be pretty much unprecedented in, in every walk of life. And, uh, well, I mean, considering how good uh, Mercedes have been over the years and just how good Lewis Hamilton has been over the years, he's not going to lose it now. It's just a foregone conclusion before he wraps up world championship uh, number six. And it's just, uh, it's kind of interesting when you go back and think about a year ago, even uh, as recently as the summer break of the the 2018 season, when it was uh, pretty much neck and neck between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, both then four-time world champions, who was going to be the first to number five? Was it going to be Lewis or was it going to be Seb? Ultimately, it was Lewis, and here we are a year later. And, well, I mean, it really was a, a question uh, when, uh, well, at the end of last year was uh, how long or if he could catch Michael Schumacher uh, in time for seven world championships. And that looks like it is obviously a very, very realistic thing. I mean, it, it's amazing how it seemed to be still somewhat off in the distance, even as recently as a year ago. But uh, obviously, when Lewis just finally seals the deal on the world championship this year, one more world championship to tie the the great Michael Schumacher with seven, and who knows uh, if Lewis yeah, keeps to decides to keep racing and still has a good car. Sky's the limit. I mean, he literally could rewrite the the the, uh, the, the record book. And uh, at 34 years old, he obviously he has a, a number of years left in him. Question is, when will Lewis Hamilton decide to call it a day? But that's uh, not a topic of a discussion today because there's no signs or indication that Lewis himself wants to to, to give it up. And why should he? I mean, <laughs> when when you've got that good of a car in the Mercedes and they've delivered such a good car for their drivers over the past uh, number of years since uh, 2014 at least in this turbo hybrid V6 era. Why would you want to go anywhere else? I mean, Ferrari, they're starting to show some signs of life, obviously, since the, the, the summer break. And, well, let's just say it's looking good for the Scuderia this weekend at uh, at the Mexican Grand Prix at Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico City. Lots of straightaways, that's thinner air in Mexico City. And, well, Lewis Hamilton himself said that uh, he doesn't think they're going to be able to keep up with the Ferraris on the, the straights at, uh, at the Mexican Grand Prix. So it could be one of those races where maybe Ferrari has another legitimate shot to, to win. So we'll talk about that uh, as well in a little bit. But let's talk... Now, let's start with Red Bull this week. And Max Verstappen, this is a story that was out on motorsport.com a couple of uh, days ago. And he said that the Red Bull dynamic with uh, Danny Ricardo was what he called an ideal situation. And, uh, well... I have to agree with them. I think that uh, that they complemented each other very nicely. They never really came out and said who was uh, the, the the number one driver. If uh, it was well, I think it was obviously, even if it wasn't said publicly that uh, that it was Max's team. I mean, Max obviously has has what it takes to be a, a world champion. I mean, the question is seems to be with Max, not if but when. And uh, obviously, if he had a more competitive car, I mean, the Red Bull is no slouch. I mean, it's it's obviously a good car, but it's not really on the same level as the Ferraris. 
all the time, although there have been certain times throughout this uh, 2019 World Championship that they've uh, been better. I mean, they really stepped up in that, I'd say, the the first, the second third of the season, say the, the start of the European season is where they start to come into a little bit to their own. And uh, well, the, the Austrian Grand Prix, the, the Max was better than everyone, the, the Mercedes is, uh, and, and uh, Ferraris both included in that one. But uh, they've, um, they've stumbled a little bit, but I think maybe that's not so much that they've struggled uh, since uh, the return uh, of um, the Formula One after the summer break back in August. But I think that uh, Ferrari finally managed to figure out how to get the SF90 working and uh, really how to generate heat, how to solve the problems they had with the downforce. And I, I think that they've, I think they've been able to recover ground and get back more on a level where they thought they should have been or expected to be at the beginning of the season. And Red Bull has just not uh, been able to, to, to match them. So anyways, uh, just uh, talking about uh, Max Verstappen and, and, and Danny Ricciardo, it, uh, it really was a situation, I think, that they complemented each other well because they are both obviously very good drivers. And uh, even though, like I say, there was no clear number one, it was, just, uh, it was obvious that uh, Max, being the talent that he is, looks like he's destined to be go on to greater things in Formula One. And that's not to take away anything from Danny Ricardo. I actually like Danny Ricardo a lot. And it's not just uh, for the guy's personality and his character. I mean, he's one of the more colorful uh, guys in the Formula One paddock, but also he's a very good driver. I mean, he's won a number of races over the year. He introduced the Shoei to Formula One. And uh, I thought that he was very good. And I thought he fit in very well at, uh, at Red Bull. And I honestly can say, and I'm sure a lot of you will say that as well that uh, that it was a real shock going back to, to the summer of 2018 when uh, when Danny Ricardo had decided to, to drop the bomb and say that he was going to be leaving and going over to Renault. And that obviously has turned out to be uh, quite a bit of a disastrous first season with him uh, and uh, at, at Renault. And uh, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more because uh, Cyril Abitabul, the team principal at Renault, had uh, a little bit to say about that, saying that this has been one of the worst or the worst and toughest season that uh, that he's had. And obviously there's a lot to back that up. But anyways, Max was saying that uh, he, he wanted a teammate uh, that he says can be in the, the, the fight and push him to greater heights and uh, and, and really motivate him and I, I think Danny Ricardo was that uh, that kind of guy I mean he was a lot closer to Max than say Alex Albon or definitely Pierre Gasly and I think that uh, not to, to take anything away from uh, from Alexander Albon I think that he's done very very good since uh, replacing Pierre Gasly a couple of months ago at uh, at Red Bull I mean Gas- Gasly always looked a little bit in over his head. I mean, he he had his moments for sure last year at uh, at Toro Rosso, and with the the departure of Ricardo uh, to to go to Renault, I mean, it left them a little bit in a bit of a difficult situation. I mean, a lot of the other uh, drive, well, I mean, basically all the other seats and all the other drivers have been sorted out. They themselves were short on drivers that had enough points uh, to get their super license, and it just it, it seemed like it. Well, it was basically when the music stopped, the musical chairs of, uh, of drivers available, that Pierre Gasly looked like uh, he could be a guy that could come in and, uh, and, and do that job. And ultimately, he didn't or wasn't able to. So they decided to, to do something else. But uh, Ricardo was uh, was uh, closer to him. And, and that for me was always the thing. I mean, together, Max and uh, and Denny Ricardo were able to record a, a good number of points together. And I really think that uh, had uh, Pierre Gasly been able to deliver points more consistently, say, in the way that Alexander Albon has been able to do it uh, over the past couple of months, that they would be uh, much further up in the world championship. And I think that uh, they could be a lot closer to Ferrari, maybe even in front of them. 
but that's uh, that that's another discussion for another day. But Max went on to say, and I quote: "I think we had that ideal situation with Daniel. When I joined the team, I was of course more of a rookie, and he was already there for a few years. Then you can learn and build up nicely. At a certain point, it also became more difficult for him because we were very close together the whole time." In the end, this is also very important for, for the team. You also want someone who works in the same direction in terms of setup and wants the same things from the car. Then you can also develop the car much better. Then you can put uh, the cars on different programs on a Friday if you can rely on both drivers to get the right information. These things are very important for me, but also for the team. And that's a good point, too. I mean, not only was uh, Ricardo uh, getting the results, scoring the points, but uh, being a more experienced driver was able to uh, give the engineers and the techs uh, the, the, the feedback that they needed. And obviously, there'd be a lot of discussion uh, with, with his uh, teammate as well. So certainly, it's interesting to hear Max uh, weigh in on that as well. Anyways, uh, I just want to talk now a little bit uh, about a new sponsor we have on the show and um, today's episode of Scootery F1 is being brought to you by the CBS Sports HQ it's a brand new streaming sports news network app and it's live 24-7 and costs you absolutely nothing yeah I mean you heard that right it's sports coverage that's always on it's always free uh it's cool. I downloaded it. I've got it on my phone. I'm an iPhone user. It's so simple. I, I downloaded it, selected my favorite teams, went in there to the CBS, uh, CBS uh, Sports HQ section of the app, and the first thing that came up was uh, British Touring Cars. Hey, I didn't even look for it. It was there. Hey, it's not Formula One, but it's motor racing. It's awesome, and I can never find uh, British Touring Cars here in Canada, so I was uh, pleasantly surprised that that was the first thing uh, available. Anyways, uh, CBS Sports HQ is coverage that's always focused on the game. Tons of highlights breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something that we care about deeply here, gambling picks and analysis that get the extra edge. I know that when I turn on CBS Sports HQ, I'll see the tips and trends that I need to win my bets. And don't forget, you can access all this great coverage absolutely free. I don't mean for a week or a month or if you have some really ridiculous special cable package. It's totally and completely free for everybody. You don't even need to get a login. It's it's so simple and it's totally awesome. So just go to the app store download the cbs sports app on your phone apple tv roku fire tv or any other connected device at any time to watch cbs sports hq so there's no fake debates just sports for real sports fans at a great price of nothing it's completely free you don't even have to log in or sign up for anything so download the cbs sports app and watch cbs sports hq today all right uh, going back to, to red bull and well they feel like they're they're building up uh, some momentum for a stronger 2020 and you know i think that uh, they have had a, a pretty decent year i mean it's been a little bit up and I mean, there have been no real ups and huge peaks and valleys. I mean, they 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 were good in the first third of the season. They've kind of cooled off over the past uh, month or two. But I think that uh, for a first year together with Honda, I think it's been very solid. I think it's uh, been, uh, I think it's what what they needed. They needed to start off. I think on a solid footing, they didn't want to regress after moving away from Renault at the end of the last season. I mean, obviously, that was a long-term successful partnership that they had with Renault. Okay, sure, it wasn't as good over the past uh, several seasons in the turbo hybrid era, but still, they they did manage to win a number of world championships uh, together in the the normally aspirated days, and they were still able to eke out some wins uh, here or there. And uh, well, a Mexican Grand Prix last year, for example, was won uh, by Max Verstappen in a, in a Renault powered uh, Red Bull. So there you go. It wasn't really like it was that long ago. Anyways, they were able to keep it uh, keep the uh, similar kind of results. In 
in their first year with Honda. And I think uh, for them, obviously, the, the, the big thing was uh, to be able to score some podiums, get some points. And obviously, Max has uh, recorded a couple of uh, wins for them. I mean, he thinks that uh, the, the rest of the season, it's only going to be realistic to maybe target podiums. And I think that's uh, a fair analysis and uh, an assessment uh, from Max. I mean, if you look at the resurgence of uh, Ferrari over the past couple of months and you look at the, the, the races that we have left on the calendar in Mexico, Brazil, the USA, and then finally Abu Dhabi, I don't really see any real clear-cut chances, let's put it that way, for Red Bull to, to sneak out another win. But hey, you never know. If we get uh, another wet race, we all know how good Max is in the wet. Uh, I mean, obviously he won in Hockenheim. I mean, the the, the big one, the, the the one sort of coming of age, or the real statement race uh, for Max in the wet was in Brazil a couple of years ago. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous how good he was in, uh, in around the, the, the wet uh, track of uh, Interlagos that day, passing people literally left, right, and center, and finding grip where he really had no business finding any grip when other guys couldn't even keep it on the track in, uh, well, on the straight sections, let alone the corners or anywhere where you really needed uh, some some grip in those conditions. Anyways, um, it's uh, like I say, I think that uh, it's it's been a, a positive year with them. First year together with uh, with Honda, and uh, well, I mean, can they build on that? I think so. And certainly, Honda has come a very long way in a very sh- a short period of time. Twenty nine, sorry, twenty eighteen was a, a a real year of development. I mean, the the Toro Rosso really became like a test bed for for the Honda engines. They were really able to accelerate that program. And, uh, and get it to the point where they are able to keep Red Bull on a on a par with Renault. But this is the difference, I think, right now that uh, that Red Bull and Honda have to set up uh, set themselves apart from Renault themselves, not just as uh, an engine manufacturer, but also as a, a works team. And uh, they've obviously they've stagnated. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So Red Bull and Honda don't want to get into that uh, that same situation. And I think that they've learned a lot in uh, in a very short amount of time. And I think there's also synergy and there's good teamwork uh, together. I mean, the car, the chassis, and the engine of more of a, um, there, there's more of an integrated uh, design with uh, the Honda and the Red Bull, whereas it was uh, it was Red Bull and, uh, you know, Renault would just uh, supply an engine. Okay, you got to fit it in the back of your car. So Red Bull and Honda seem to work uh, very good together. And well, I, th- I think that is just the the the, the basis of a, a very good uh, working relationship. So we'll uh, have to wait and see how they uh, w- w- how they can build on this relationship and how they can move forward into uh, 2020 and beyond. And of course, we'll have to see whether or not uh, Honda decides to stay in Formula One. It sounds uh, to me what I've been uh, looking into and reading over the past several weeks that it's not a completely decided decision. But who knows? It would be sad to see them go, especially after this year where we've finally seen some uh, concrete movement. We've seen them uh, scoring points, and uh, I think that's uh, all positive. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, 
it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, sticking with Red Bull as we've done through the first quarter of the show this week, Christian Horner, the team principal at Red Bull Racing, says that uh, Max Verstappen doesn't con- share the concerns that and fr- uh, frustrations about the, the current uh, performance of the team as uh, his father, uh, Jos Verstappen, Jos also uh, a former Formula One driver. And, well, you know, I mean, they were... They've cooled off, like I say, and uh, Yoss uh, told uh, Dutch television, uh, television recently in an interview that uh, he fears that uh, that it could be another what he calls a lost year for Max in 2020 if uh, if change was not uh, was not made. But you know, it's it's that's the one thing for him to say. Obviously, he's going to be looking out uh, for his son. He's going to be, I, I think, uh, a, lo- a lot more critical and a lot more biased. But according to, to Christian Horner, and I quote, he says, Max is a very different person to his father. He sees the big, uh, bigger picture. He was in Sakura before the Japanese Grand Prix, and he sees has seen what is coming and the commitment of Honda to the development of the engine and to F1. In the factory, he sees what's going on, and I think racing dads, unfortunately, sometimes get it a bit excited. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of an interesting uh, quote uh, right there. But, uh, you know, the, the big question that I have, and Max has to be the big commodity on the market, right? His contract with Red Bull expires at the end of the next year. And obviously, if uh, you're Christian Horner, if you're Red Bull, you're going to want to keep this guy in your team. Like I was saying earlier in the show, Max Verstappen has everything that it takes to be a world champion. The only thing that he's lacking right now is a, a car that's an out-and-out, downright contender. I mean, we've seen what uh, what, what this guy can do in what, obviously, it's not substandard. I mean, it's it's just not as good as the, the Ferrari or the Mercedes most of the time. But, you know, I mean, he, he could, I, I mean... That, that's the amazing thing. I mean, if they were given all equal um, uh, equipment, it would be really interesting to put Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, all the, 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 the top drivers, put them all in the same equipment and see where they all come out. But anyways, uh, I mean, that's a, a bit of wishful uh, thinking. But, you know, I, I mean, Max obviously has what it takes. And and, and you can see why his dad would make those comments that, uh, that he fears like another lost season. But I mean, Max is still fairly young. I mean, it's not like he's 36 or 37 years old and uh you know he's uh, kind of well let, let's just say he's like nico hulkenberg a guy with talents but uh, has never really had a decent car and has ha- hasn't had any success in formula one even though uh, you know he, he's got talent i mean obviously max i think is a lot better than nico hulkenberg but i i think uh, you might uh, understand what i'm getting at here is uh, as frustrating as it might be i mean I think, as Christian Horner says, if Max is looking at the bigger picture and he sees what's going on, there's a lot of room to to, to be optimistic. But, I mean, the $64,000 question is, is that enough? Is uh, that going to be attractive uh, for Max to re-sign or sign a new deal to keep him with Red Bull after 2020 and uh, into 2021 and beyond? Are Honda and Red Bull going to be able to deliver the goods? I mean, obviously, any design team that uh, that is led by uh, Adrian Newey, you know it's going to be a good design. And the big question then is up to Honda. Are they going to be able to deliver on the power unit uh, side of things? And I have to, to, to wonder, are the likes of Mercedes 
and uh, or Ferrari going to drive like literally a dump truck load of money up to Max's house in a in an attempt to, to woo him away from uh, Red Bull uh, for 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 2021. But then again, would you really want that? I mean, uh, both I think uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Valtteri Bottas their contracts are up uh, at the end of next year as well. And would they really want that uh, dynamic in their team? Would uh, would Ferrari with two young obviously very talented drivers like uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Would that be apples and apples or would it be apples and oranges or oil and water? <laughs> Could that be the, the the potential for a Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg type relationship? I mean, would the two mix or would they would they clash? Obviously, they've clashed on the track and they've been a, a little bit, uh, well, obviously the pun is intended. So, I mean, as rivals, they've certainly the, this year had uh, quite a few moments uh, of coming together and banging wheels on the track and uh most recently just in japan just uh not even two weeks ago when uh, when charles smashed into max at the beginning of the race and uh, max was shortly done uh, thereafter after losing over 25 percent of his downforce because his car was just so badly damaged so could that work as teammates it's questionable maybe it would maybe it won't hard to say but then again would uh would mercedes want to take that on would they want and are they in a position to obviously afford two huge contracts i mean they got to lewis hamilton you think that uh, that lewis can stay at mercedes for however long that he wants and uh, it would basically be his choice uh, as to when uh, he wants to walk away from them and and go somewhere else or i honestly i couldn't see lewis hamilton going somewhere else even if it was for the the opportunity to to drive for a, for a, for Ferrari. I mean, does he really need to do that with his career, or is Lewis uh, more likely just to hang up his helmet at some point and say, "Well, you know what, uh, I've done it all in Formula One, and now it's time to to walk away and uh, and pursue other interests." Personally, I think that's what Lewis is going to do. I mean, he doesn't have anything uh, left to do. I don't think he has anything left to to, to prove by going to a, another team, even if it was a Ferrari, but. That's the thing. Would they want to uh, say uh, partner up uh, Lewis and Max for a year or a couple of years with uh, the the ultimate um, aim of making uh, Max the uh, the the number one guy there? I mean, a couple of years ago, before Max uh, signed uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with 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 uh, with with Red Bull and uh, or with Toro Rosso, I mean, there there was an opportunity for him to go to Mercedes, but more of a like a junior driver and a reserve driver kind of role. I mean, the the way that uh, that that it worked out for him with uh, Toro Rosso. And then, uh, you know, very shortly thereafter, after only a year and a couple of races, uh, moves up to to, um, to to Red Bull proper, thanks to uh, Danny Kvyat having a, a really bad start and a, a reckless uh, start to the season in which uh, he crashed into Sebastian Vettel, unfortunately, a number of times. And that really... Uh, really uh, messed him up and um, you know max immediately made his uh, his presence felt uh, by winning uh, the uh, the uh, uh, spanish grand prix back in uh, 2016 so he uh I think he can get it done. And the question is where he will be doing it after 2020. I don't don't know. It'll be certainly news, massive news, whenever and wherever he decides uh, to sign. Anyways, uh, going back to what I was talking a little bit uh, earlier, just uh, looking ahead to uh, the Mexican Grand Prix this weekend, and uh, Lewis Hamilton says, and he's quite uh, blunt and open about it, that uh, they have no hope of beating uh, Ferrari on the long Mexico, uh, or the long straightaways at the Mexican Grand Prix. 
And uh, it seems, sounds a little bit uh, defeatist, but uh, we, we've seen over the past couple of months as uh, Ferrari's been able to uh, get their car sorted out that, okay, they, they have improved the cornering ability of the car. They've been able to find more grip and more downforce. And uh, that obviously uh, translated into um, uh, a series of wins and uh, a couple of, uh, well, I mean, they, they should have won the Russian Grand Prix. I mean, we don't really need to go over that. I mean, it was just unfortunate how the... the uh, the demise of one Ferrari compromised the other Ferrari's chance of winning the race. But uh, last week or two weeks ago in Japan, even though uh, Sebastian Vettel qualified on pole position, had that bit of a bobble in the, the the jump start there, I think regardless, if he got away clean, I think that uh, that, that that was just going to be a Valtteri Bottas's race to win. I mean, he was uh, clearly faster, and I don't think that uh, any strategy or number of pit stops that they, that they decided to do a factor in the overcuts or undercuts, I think that uh, it was just uh, Bottas's uh, race uh, to, to win. I mean, nonetheless, they've uh, done uh, pretty good over the past uh, several races. But I mean, it has been quite apparent <laughs> just the like the the the, the fact like the advantage that they have on the straightaways. Go back and look at Monza, also look at Spa, and any like over any of the the, the past couple of races. Also, this the long start finish uh, straightaway at Suzuka. It has really played into Ferrari's hand and uh, been advantageous. I mean, you kind of think, you know, had it gone a couple long uh, race or sorry, laps longer in Belgium, maybe even Japan, could have uh, turned out a little bit uh, differently. Uh, the, the the way that uh, you know Mercedes were and Lewis Hamilton were closing in on Charles at uh, at different positions and different uh, different parts of the race. Uh, could he have uh, passed him for position on the track or ultimately for wins? I mean, it's a little bit academic, but it will be a, a huge huge advantage uh, for them this uh, this week. And, and uh, well, I don't know. I mean, there, there aren't really, I mean, there are some chicanes and some little uh, quick flicks left and right on the track. But I mean, it's it's not really anything that has a lot of tight technical sections or anything like that. Um, there, there's a couple of really decent long straightaways. I mean, that long start finish uh, straightaway at uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez is uh, massive. It's very, very long. And that is going to play into Ferrari's hands uh, all day long. So you have to think that uh, that is going to be a big, big advantage uh, for them. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it is definitely... I think another race that they're going to be targeting a, a very solid finish, if not uh, trying to get one of their cars or hoping to get one of their cars on the top step of uh, the, the the podium. But Lewis uh, did go on uh, to say that, and I quote, I think for me, it's uh, never been a, a case of wanting to rush things. Uh, he's talking about uh, the, the world championship. Uh, he said that uh, Valtteri's driven well all year long. He's done a great job today and uh, will most likely do a very solid job uh, these uh, next races. We'll have a battle. The fight uh, continues. And uh, sorry, uh, Lewis goes on to say, I think uh, Mexico is generally our worst race of the year because of the way our car is set up and it's going to be a tough one for us. The last few have been pretty shocking, even though we've won the title there. Um, he's talking about Mexico. That's where he won it last year. I'm hoping for a better weekend, but I think it's going to be very hard to beat the Ferraris with those long straights. We have no hopes of getting by on those straights, that's for sure. But even if you look at the others, the McLarens are picking up some serious speeds on the streets or the Red Bulls. So I think it'll be a tricky one. I don't anticipate it will be Mexico. I think uh, we will be battling for a good few races. And of course, uh, he is referring to the, the the battle that he's having with uh, with uh, Valtteri Bottas for the, uh, for, for the World Championship. 
And uh, it's interesting how he throws uh, the the the, the uh, McLarens into the mix, and uh, they certainly have found uh, some more uh, speed. And uh, they they looked uh, quite. Uh, well, I mean, they've looked uh, pretty good uh, throughout the entire year, but uh, over the past couple of races, they've looked uh, pretty good as well. So it's interesting how he uh, threw Red Bull and uh, McLaren into the mix there. I can't really imagine that uh, that they would be that far back and uh, at such a disadvantage to say Ferraris and Red Bulls that they'd be stuck mixing up with the McLaren. So who knows? It, it is a bit of a different one. I mean, uh, obviously, as we've said several times, this plays more into the hands of a Ferrari with the long uh, straightaways. But, uh, you know, it, uh, you could see how it may affect things that uh, if they're, they're not up at the top uh, of the running order, as we usually expect to see them. But um, it could, uh, you know, if the, the, the points are a little bit less, then sure, it, it may uh, mean that they're going to battle mathematically for a couple of races yet, but certainly uh, I would uh, not think that uh, in the end of, uh, by the time it's all said and done, that would really affect the the, the world championship and Lewis's uh, designs on winning that uh, title n- number six all that much. <clears throat> So obviously this weekend is the Mexican Grand Prix down in Mexico City, which means coming up uh, very soon is the, the U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of Americas in Austin. And if you want to be uh, be there in person, make sure you've got your tickets for the race uh, by uh, going through Vivid Seats. They are a top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to, concerts, theater, sporting events of all shape and size and uh, description you can think of. I typed it in uh, a search in their app uh, earlier tonight for the uh, for Formula One tickets. First one that came up was a Canadian Grand Prix for 2020. So, hey, they got lots of stuff in there. Anyways, uh, you can uh, sort by the the price or look for seats in the section of row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back, and that's called Vivid Seats uh, Rewards. So go check that out. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed 100% uh, by our guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Okay, when it is time to buy, make sure you enter in my promo code OVERTIME at checkout and you can receive a discount up to $100. So please make sure you go and check out Vivid Seats because if you support them, that reflects and helps support us here on the show. And it's just a, a circle of goodness. So go and check them out. Vivid Seats can go download uh, the app and uh, get in on that. All right, let's move on to Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> We're just talking about Lewis Hamilton. Uh, just uh, going on a little bit more. With just He was talking about uh, the advantage that uh, Ferrari has on the straightaways and how that's uh, really going to be um, a, a real disadvantage for Mercedes at the, the, the Mexican Grand Prix. But uh, Lewis also went on to say that uh, 2019 was not great for Mercedes engine uh, development. And it, it seems a little bit ironic to see uh, Lewis uh, say that. I mean, you look at the amount of uh, races that, uh, that 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 Mercedes have won this year. I mean, they've they've won the last uh, couple of uh, races, and and well, I mean, they've won uh, the last two races in a row. But I mean, over the course of the entire season, I mean, they won what was it uh, nine races in a row before they even uh, were challenged by uh, by anyone else. I mean, they've been uh, completely uh, dominant, and so I mean, it, it seems a little bit uh, strange to hear uh, Lewis uh, say that. I mean, sorry, they won the first eight races out of the year, starting with Australia, all the way up to the French Grand Prix. But then things started to change a little bit. I mean, you go to the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, Red Bull and Max Verstappen, unbeatable com- uh, combina- 
nomination that day. Uh, the British Grand Prix, Lewis wins again there. And well, I mean, the German Grand Prix, I mean, that was a, a bit of an unusual one, obviously, because of the rain. But I mean, still, Max uh, won that one. And then uh, since then, I mean, they've only won three races. I mean, most teams would, uh, you know, they'd do anything to, to win three races after that. But I mean, they won the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis uh, won there. Then that's uh, when we get to Ferrari winning uh, three races in a row in Belgium, Italy, and Singapore. Bayreuthia won in, uh, in in Russia. And then, I mean, the only one that was an out-and-out really convincing um uh, Mercedes win since the summer break at any rate uh, by my books by by uh, by my logic uh, was the, uh, the 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 Japanese Grand Prix and so I mean when, when you look at that you know at all the races that they have won this year it seems a little bit uh, counterintuitive uh, to, to hear Lewis uh, say that and you got to de- look into the comments uh, a little bit more. And uh, Lewis says, and I quote, we've got uh, time for next year. I think it's not been a great year for us in terms of uh, the great issue in terms of our en- engine development. I think it's been a really hard time for the guys. They've been working as hard as ever, but it's just not as been successful in that department, as I say. Plus, it's quite draggy, but we've had great love reliability, and hopefully that remains the same. And that's something that we can still be really proud of, of course. We have obviously still won the Constructors' Championship, but we'll try and push uh, to try and maybe reduce the drag a little bit so we can increase the power for next year. They're fully on to it, and I have all the confidence in the world that we'll be able to make it some sort of step into it next season. And then he goes on to talk about uh, Ferrari, say, Ferrari saying, quote, it's incredible how quick they are. It makes it very, very difficult, even if you've got the advantage of the tire. But I think it's cool anyways. It provides interesting racing. Um, so interesting uh, to, to hear Lewis's uh, thoughts uh, behind that. And it just goes uh, to show that no matter the success that, uh, that, that that Mercedes have, is that no matter what happens, they, they still find reasons to, or areas that they can prove. I would not say that they're not satisfied. I mean, I think obviously winning, was it now six constructors championships in a row that, uh, that, that you're going to be happy. You're going to be satisfied um, by, by that. But I, I just think it's an interesting uh, little snippet, a little, uh, look inside the mentality that, uh, that, that Mercedes have that despite all the work that they do and, and all the success that they have, um, racing in formula one, that, uh, that there's still areas that, uh, that they can uh, improve into it. And you just have to know that everybody, all the engineers, the designers that are working uh, very, very hard uh, behind the, uh, the, the the scenes to get um, you know find the, the 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 power that they need they need and make the improvements uh, to the engine uh, for for twenty twenty one. So it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, like Lewis said, that uh, the, uh, the the way that Ferrari has improved since the summer has certainly made for some more uh, interesting racing. A little bit of a shame that, uh, that that it took them that long to get the car figured out and really get some upgrades on there that uh, that really made a, a difference. And I mean, I don't want to take anything away. I don't want to make it sound like I'm hating on uh, Mercedes, but it would have made for a more interesting season rather than them running out to to such a huge advantage over those uh, first eight races of the season. And I mean, by the time that Max actually won at uh, at the the, the Red Bull ring at the beginning of the summer, I mean, it was already pretty much a a foregone conclusion that uh, that they were going to to win the Constructors' Championship. And obviously, by uh, by extension of that, one of the drivers, most likely Lewis Hamilton, 
Hamilton was going to win the word the the drivers' world championship. I mean, that was just uh, the, the the logical conclusion to make. And I don't want to take anything away from that. I mean, certainly they were better in the first half of the season where their 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 rivals struggled, but uh, it, it could have been a lot more interesting for a lot longer rather than uh, you know Ferrari coming in after the summer break. And uh, although they've been good, uh, it's been more of I don't know what you even want to call it, a, a little, so almost like a byline, a secondary story to the season was, yeah, it was all Mercedes, but towards the end of the year, Ferrari managed to get their, their act together and became a more competitive and uh, and more of a, a regular challenger to uh, to Mercedes. So honestly, I hope that whatever happens over the remaining four races of the year, that, uh, that they're able to uh, build on that and uh, move into 2020. And uh, an ideal situation obviously would be a lot more parity and, uh, and, uh, less distance between the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari, and uh, and Red Bull. I mean, uh, if you could even get uh, McLaren moving up into that uh, that that uh, that bracket as well, that would be wonderful. Uh, that, that seems like a bit of a stretch at the at the moment, but that that's what I would really like to see is a little bit more parity, more closeness uh, between the top three teams, and uh, you know, if if you could have a combination of uh, Bottas, Hamilton, Vettel, Leclerc, uh, Max Verstappen, and uh, two. Being a confirmed driver for 2020, I think that uh, would be good for Formula One. And talking about uh, McLaren now, that even though, uh, well, actually, I got one thing uh, to talk about before we even go there. But uh, McLaren uh, said that they've uh, outlined their opposition to what they call the Japan-like Formula One weekend uh, format, and. I understand what they're getting at here, and it was a bit of an unusual situation, what with the typhoon and extreme weather uh, really affecting, well, not just Formula One, it affected the, the, the Rugby World Cup, and by extension, a lot more things in Japan than just uh, sports in that weekend. And, I mean, I, I didn't mind it. Obviously, it, it was kind of cool of a, a one-off thing. I mean, uh, just uh, because of the time difference, qualifying went at about 6 p.m. local time here on the west coast of uh, Canada, and then followed up uh, with the race proper at about uh, 10 p.m. I mean, for a, a guy like me, you know, a family guy that uh, doesn't really get the opportunity to go out very often on a Saturday night, you don't have to feel sorry for me. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Anyways, joking aside, uh, uh, having the race at uh, 10 p.m. on a Saturday, just absolutely ideal. I mean, if the, that was like uh, like that more often, it would be uh, it'd be uh, you know awesome to be able to watch uh, races like that live. But anyways, I mean, the thing was uh, having them back to back and just over the the the, the space of a few uh, short hours in between the, the the race and the qualifying session. It was cool for a one off, but uh, I didn't really want it to to see it to stick around and uh, I mean there, there, there have been a lot of discussions and a lot of things said about uh, things that uh, that could be happening uh, in terms of um, what they're going to do for qualifying formats uh, for, for 2020 and uh, and beyond that but um, team principal at McLaren Andreas Seidel said that uh, it would he just doesn't think that it would be right for them to hold uh, qualifying in the race on the same day uh, even even though there was uh, quite a good response to it uh, in Japan I, I kind of like personally it spread over the course of an entire weekend now that we get uh, more access and more coverage of the practice sessions as well uh, in the days leading up to the race, it's, it, you know, it, it's cool and it's interesting to be able to follow along. And uh, I, I personally, I like it. Uh, I, I think it breaks up my weekend nicely from a, fr- a fan's point of view to be able to sit down uh, usually on a Saturday morning, uh, watch qualifying with my, uh, you know, as I'm having breakfast and then to, to watch the race uh, itself on Sunday. We always tend to watch it on uh, on a Sunday evening if it's uh, not live. I mean, we're lucky at this time 
time of year. Like I say, I mean, we get with some of the Asian races come on, uh, you know, late evening, even, uh, you know, early into the, the, the wee hours of the, of the night. And, uh, or if, uh, in the case of the Mexican, uh, U.S. and Canadian Grands Prix, it's, I mean, they, those are right in the, the, the middle of the day, uh, you know, with the time difference. I mean, uh, usually for, for Montreal on the West Coast, uh, race starts at 2 p.m., whatever it is, local time in Montreal, then it's uh, 11 a.m. out here on the West Coast. That's perfect. Uh, Austin uh, being down in Texas is only an hour or so ahead of us here. So again, that's perfect timing. Same thing with the Mexican Grand Prix. It's great to be able to do that. So I like it spread out uh, rather than having to commit a, a whole chunk of time on uh, on one day. And then, uh, you know, honestly, it just uh, for, for the way that, uh, that, that my schedule works, and uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one uh, out here, that uh, that it just it just wouldn't be the same. I mean, I'd have to commit uh, a lot more time because I, I like to sit down and watch uh, the, uh, the, the the qualifying. I like to watch the analysis. I like to hear all the the, the commentary around it, all the punditry uh, from we get uh, Sky Sports here uh, up uh, up in Canada. So I, I enjoy all the coverage that goes with it, and I would honestly feel pressured to, to be able to, uh, to to sit down and take it all in. And um, just from that point of view, it uh, it would be too much of a time commitment uh, for for me. And just uh, I would find uh, probably I'd be uh, fast forwarding it through on uh, on my DVR and missing out on stuff. So I, I wouldn't uh, I, I'm not in favor of it uh, either. But ultimately, it's uh, it's not up to me. Anyways, uh, just uh, talking about that, uh, Formula One has also uh, said that they're 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 not going to go through with the uh, the attempts to trial uh, different uh, race weekend formats in 2020 and you know in specific the uh, reverse grid idea and i wasn't really a big fan of that i didn't really like that idea and honestly i i, I like the, the 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 knockout format they have now i mean the, the the one that they had a couple of years ago uh that they trialed for a couple of uh, weekends with that kind of like that rolling cutoff time which just uh, basically led guys to knowing that they weren't going to be <laughs> out on the track and and make the cutoff time i mean in principle it was it, it was a good idea in principle i think that uh that, that there were some possibilities for it but at the end of the day it just really wasn't uh it, it wasn't right it, it didn't work as good and when they went back to the the the, the format that we've had uh you know we have now with the top 10 shootout in q3 that uh, we've had for a good number of years now in formula one to me that just uh just works uh you know i mean obviously as uh, time goes on you've uh, of course you're getting less and less cars because you use five and five and you end up with with 10 in the top 10 shootout and and, and for me it works rather than having say an hour-long session and uh, cars just go out and whoever sets the uh the, the fastest time in that qualifying session between say 1 and 2 p.m gets the poll i i think it makes for more interesting uh, tv uh the the, the way that uh, they do it with the, uh, the the current format because the cars usually get uh, two hot laps each and uh, we, we've seen over time that uh, that the guys can get caught out so that uh, that the contenders can get caught out a little bit and uh, they get put under a little bit of pressure and uh well i mean uh, monza was a bit of a well it was a bit of a snafu just uh, you know because the car is all slowing down there at the end of uh you know q3 there and just trying to get track position kind of messed a, a lot of people up but that that seems to be more the exception rather than rule we don't see that very often in that sort of situation like we saw at Monza in Q3. I mean, I don't recall anything happening.
happening like that, at least in in, in recent me- memory. But having said that, I mean, I am open to other uh, other possibilities, ways to improve the um, the, the the format to uh, to qualify into the race weekend. I just don't want anything too gimmicky, and that that whole reverse grid thing that just seemed too gimmicky to me because the way that it would work, and I understand like uh, the, the the logic behind it, but to me, it's a little bit kind of like artificially mixing things up too much and I just didn't like the the idea of it. I mean, there there was a lot of criticism that uh, that was uh, leveled uh, at them, at the uh, the FIA and Formula One even uh, for suggesting that. And honestly, I'm glad that's uh, kind of gone over like a bit of a lead balloon. Anyways, uh, just to one more thing we got to cover here on the show today, and well. It's that time of year again, guys. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, and a lot more. October is the only month of the year that all major four sports are going on at the same time. So what better way to get into the game than by heading over to mybookie.ag. And, well, if you want some odds on the race on Formula One this weekend, head on over to their website. they got some great previews and things like that going on. It's not uh, just purely a betting site and uh, where you can make a little bit of extra coin, but there's a lot of good of uh, analysis and previews, like I say. Anyway, so, so we here at Overtime Media have teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a great offer. So if you sign up now at MyBookie.ag and use our promo code OVERTIME, they will match your first deposit. So, again, use the promo code OVERTIME and New Year's will get their first deposit doubled. So mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Okay, so we have uh, a good number of things uh, to cover. <laughs> I was trying to run out of time a little bit here. So uh, McLaren have said that uh, their 2020 car so- uh, concept change is not a real gamble. Uh, they're going to move away from, uh, uh, to a certain extent, uh, for the, the the concept that they've uh, used uh, for this year. And it's... Um, it's a real attempt by the team to make another big step and uh, they're going to make some concept tweaks uh, for the new design which is being led uh, by James Key who came over from uh, Toro Rosso earlier this year and it could open up some some dangers of not making the, the some gains that they've hoped to and but uh, team principal Andreas Seidel uh, believes and he's adamant that, that this is the right thing for the team to do and I uh, and he says I quote I would say where we are right now it is not a risk it is an opportunity our target is clear we want to make the next step so hopefully we can jump somewhere in between where we are right now and the top teams would be great next uh, would be the next great achievement as a team I wouldn't call it radical, but with the gap we are having with the to the top cars with the same regulations, we try to make a decent step, which means some of the concept stuff on the car will change. At the moment, we don't see anything in terms of carryover parts that would make sense. Uh, the regulations are pretty much the same, so there's stuff you can carry over for next year, but it's not like we'll develop stuff for next year's car and bring it back on the track uh, this year. So it will be interesting uh, to see what uh, what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're completely open uh, to the concept changes for their 2020 design, but um, it, it's not going to be extremely revolutionary. So it, it, it'll be uh, interesting to watch. I mean, uh, it's. I think it's interesting in the sense that despite the fact that uh, they've had such a, a good season this year, a very solid season right from the, 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 the very beginning, I mean, fourth in the, the Constructors' Championship, I think really speaks for itself, that uh, that they are looking, uh, they're, they're not ruling anything out. Let's uh, basically put it that way. And I think that is a, a very good mentality to, uh, to have. And uh, I think that they, they really need to uh, embrace that. And obviously, I think uh, that that's what they're doing. And again, I think that uh, that's 
Zach Brown needs to be given uh, the, uh, some, some props for the work that he's done over the past uh, couple of years. I mean, he's brought in a number of key people. And uh, I really like uh, the, the, the guys, that uh, the, the public side of the team that, uh, that you see now. I mean, uh, I, I really like uh, what uh, I like. Andreas Seidel, I, I like the way that he comes across. I mean, he, he's the guy that was uh, running the Porsche LMP1 project, and he just comes across as a, a guy that knows racing. He's, uh, to me, a very sort of uh, cut and dry kind of guy, knows what he wants, and uh, he, he's able to express that. Uh, James Key coming over from uh, Toro Rosso, that obviously uh, seems to, to, to be uh, uh, reaping dividends. I mean, you got Jill DeFerrin, the ex IndyCar driver, uh, as the, the sporting director or whatever his uh, official title is. I mean, they, they just got some good experienced people and uh you know that's uh, ultimately what it takes i mean you've got to have the eye for the talent and get them in there and put the the, the right people in the right jobs and to see them uh, move up to fourth in the world championship still a bit of an arm's length uh, behind the top three teams but uh, a couple of years ago i mean uh, where they were then to where they are now is uh, is is literally night and day and i think it's a uh, very very good to, to see where where they are and where they're going for for 2020 so good to see that uh, they are not ruling things out and then even this year i mean they're still bringing updates uh, to the car and they will do for the next uh, couple of uh, racers even so the, even though they felt like uh, the, the car's performance has left it in what they call a, a happy place so <laughs> you know they are 34 p- points ahead of uh, renault in the world championship although i'm gonna have to check that now because uh, uh, i'll get to this in just a moment uh, renault has been uh, ultimately disqualified both cars have been uh, disqualified from that uh, double points finish at the japanese grand prix for uh, being found uh, in, um, what do you want to call that, uh, in violation of the technical regulations for that automatic uh, brake bias balancing system that, that they have on the car. So that's going to change things up. But uh, any, anyways, I mean, uh, that uh, I mean even if it's a 34 or now even a, a little bit bigger uh, because of that uh, double disqualification for the Renaults, McLaren have just had, had a, good, uh, a, a good year. I mean, uh, it's been solid. I mean, it, uh, and I think that uh, really shows that this is a team that's uh, serious in uh, continuing to uh, progress and uh, still to do good things uh, on the track by going out and and, and doing uh, or, or bringing uh, upgrades uh, this late in the season. I mean, a lot of teams, uh, they, they get to a point where they just uh, stop doing that and they start uh, putting all their resources into the um, to the design and the, into the car for the next season. And, uh, you know, they, they just don't, don't think it's worth it after a certain point. So I think it's it's good to see. I mean, especially as um, uh, Seidel was saying just in the uh, the, the previous uh, uh, article that I was covering there that they're they're all completely open and to like the design concept for next year and that uh, it won't be anything completely revolutionary but I mean they're 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 obviously uh, testing things out and uh, it's real world feedback I mean uh, they don't have to worry about getting the car into the wind tunnel or simulating it on the in the the, the software that they have I mean they, they can try things now and see now what's going to work I mean especially if the the regulations are going to change too much between this year and next year i mean the, the the big quantum leap the big difference is going to be 2021 and that's a uh, completely different but it's a uh, like i think a good place i, I think it's um I think it's an important place uh, for them or, or mindset to be if uh, they're, they're going to be successful in Formula One. And I think ultimately they will slowly but surely uh, close the gap to the, the, the big three teams. 
Anyways, uh, we're going to finish up the show now talking about uh, Renault. And uh, the, first of all, uh, the, the first story I want to cover is uh, with the team principal, Surreal Bitabul, and he says that uh, 2019 has been by far the most difficult season. And <laughs> it is not hard to argue with... Uh, uh, with with uh, people who criticize the team and say that uh, that they have uh, lost the plot, I mean, Abidabul um, uh, really contradicts uh, that and says that uh, that the critics like that are wrong. But you know, it's it's hard to really agree with them. I mean, if you look at uh, where the team is now compared to they were a couple of years ago, yes, they have made progress forward, but the the, the progress has slowed down. It's stagnated, and I. I would even argue that uh, that this year they're almost even uh, regressed a little bit on on last year. I mean, I I expected that after they took over and uh, and bought out Lotus uh, a couple of years ago that uh, that each year would be a year that they that they would build and improve upon and that uh, there would be uh, you know you could see that progression from year to year to year and. I would obviously to say it's a flat line would be uh, a little bit uh, unfair and cruel. I mean, but I mean the 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 progress forward has been slower than it needs to be, and I mean there 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 is no disputing that uh, a team that that has all the backing and the the, the resources that uh, that Renault has and all the all the what do you want to call it resources that they have at their fingertips. Uh, I, I'm really. I would really expect a lot more from uh, from them, and uh, you can see why uh, Abitabul is saying that that it's been tough on them. I mean, obviously the pressure's uh, getting to the guy, but but at the same thing, or sorry, at the same time, I mean they really have to be uh, doing more. So I mean he's obviously uh, fe- feeling the heat, and uh, he, and uh, Abitabul uh, told uh, Motorsport.com that uh, that the pressure is very high. It's uh, and I quote: "It is a tough season, by far the most difficult season I have personally lived because of the level expectation." But I don't think we announced that, and I don't think we set ourselves uh, set it ourselves directly. We always said our target was P4, and uh, clearly we are not there. But we are P5. So he's talking about uh, the, the fourth and fifth spot in the uh, the constructors championship. But I mean, they were fourth in the constructors championship last year, but they haven't looked uh, as really uh, convincing and uh, as consistent this year as they had uh, last year. They 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 just obviously. Uh, to me, have lacked something. They could have been uh, a lot better, more often, or more often. And uh, Danny Ricardo says that uh, that Renault need to keep uh, positivity after the, you know the <laughs> the ups and downs, and uh, and all the challenges uh, that they've had. And uh, I mean, they've they've qualified well in uh, in in the races after the summer break, but you know this double uh, disqualification for the uh, the the, the break uh, bias balancing system. That's you know that's another setback for them. And uh, Ricardo says, uh, and I quote, certainly after qualifying, I was thinking same kind of crap. And this is what I'm talking about, uh, referring to a, a Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, anyways, and we really can't get into a, a break with issues and whatever, but I feel like we got a result uh, that we deserve. We got backs to backs coming up well, once, uh, coming up now, some fun ones. So hopefully we get a string of po- points finishes and just get something uh, for the team. We get up there, then we drop and kind of drop, our heads drop a bit. Uh, we're trying to get back up so every for everyone's sake we just try to need and keep some positivity before the year is out 
Anyways, well, <laughs> it's going to be difficult uh, for Renault because, uh, like I said, this is breaking news uh, today on Wednesday that uh, that the, uh, the the teams, or sorry, Renault was uh, disqualified from the Japanese uh, Grand Prix over this uh, illegal uh, breaking aid uh, that they have. And, uh, well, this was um, uh, a protest that was lodged by uh, Racing Point right after the race. And uh, the FIA stewards had a teleconference here on Wednesday to evaluate and discuss whether this uh, brake bias adjustment system by that that was used by uh, Ricardo and Hulkenberg was uh, was legal or not and in the end uh, they believe that this uh, was a secret system that was uh, not in con- uh, contravention of F1's uh, technical re- re- um regulations but they felt it was a uh, driver's aid so that of course is not uh, permitted so ultimately they were stripped of their sixth and ninth place uh, finishes so uh, you you can see why for a driver that uh, that is frustrating and especially when it's uh, been a season that it's uh, up and down uh, as it has been and you know it's it's got to be tough, right? I mean, if you're a driver, all you're going to do is you're going to go out there and, and do your best to try and uh, get the, 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 the best result on a Sunday afternoon that you can uh, that, that you can get. And then you have something like this happening. And uh, as I was saying last week, because uh, this, uh, this story broke, uh, well, I mean, it came up pretty much right after the Grand Prix, obviously. But as I was saying last week, uh, when it comes to things like this, that it's to me at the time sounded like they were playing a bit of a gray area and uh, ultimately i think that uh, the, the the ruling from the FIA uh, stewards um, believe that it's exactly that i mean the, the the system itself was not a contravention of the technical regu- uh, regulations but the fact that uh, they classified it as a driver's aid uh, so i mean i mean like it is uh, like like you're saying it, it it was a real gray area and they were playing in the gray area and it's a, a bit of a risk because uh, you know you have one person take a look at the rules and uh, and see and interpret a, a potential uh, loophole that the, that they can exploit and I guess uh, that that's you know if that loophole is there and you can exploit it, it's just like how much do you try to push it to the point of uh, you know, that 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 it's going to be uh, too much and it's uh, going to cost you something and obviously in this case uh, they they pushed a little bit uh, too far because uh, ultimately it was uh, ruled as a driver's aid and then uh, therefore is out so that really does uh, mess things uh, up for Renault but uh, they, they have a couple more races uh, to get it sorted out and, uh, and get some more points but um, not not a good way to uh, or a good thing to happen in a season that's been so up and down with more downs and ups that uh, that it has been so anyway so let's just uh, very quickly now just uh, finish off the show and just uh, go over just uh, some of the stats here for for the Mexican uh, Grand Prix uh, it goes uh, this weekend and just the the, the track itself some of the st- uh, the, uh, the the stats here for the uh, Autodromo Armando Rodriguez and well I lost my notes here. Where did they go? <laughs> here they go. Gosh, it's getting late here. Anyways, the the, the circuit is 4.3 kilometers long. It's a 71-lap race. Total r- race distance of just a, a shade over 305 kilometers. Uh, Valtteri Bottas holds a lap record. He set that last year, and it's a 118.741. Uh, last year, like I was saying earlier in the in the show, it was a it was a, a Red Bull front row lockout. It was a Danny Ricardo on the pole, Max Verstappen. 
lining up beside him. Then it was uh, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel on row two, and uh, an all-finished third row of Valtteri Bottas and uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, by the time it was all said and done, at the end of the day, it was Max Verstappen coming home first to claim all 25 points. It was Sebastian Vettel finishing second, 17 seconds uh, behind, and then uh, Kimi Raikkonen rounding, rounding out the podium in the, the second uh, Ferrari. And even then, I mean, we are talking uh, earlier about uh, Lewis Hamilton saying that uh, that they're going to be really disadvantaged uh, compared to the Red Bulls and especially the Ferraris last year. Fourth and fifth spot for Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bottas. Bottas actually getting lapped by Max Verstappen. Max lapped everybody up to, uh, and including Valtteri Bottas, in, in fifth place uh, last year. So really uh, an interesting uh, situation and uh, what, uh, what might happen on, on Saturday. Could you imagine Lewis Hamilton getting lapped? Gosh, you know, <laughs> I just have a hard time uh, uh, really uh, uh, you know, uh, picturing that one. But if the the uh, the, the, the lap time is a one thirty eight, and uh, Lewis was a, a minute and eighteen uh, seconds behind, I mean, uh, Lewis uh, wasn't really all that far ahead of Max by by the time it was all said and done. I mean, Max would have needed a good number of laps to still catch up and and lap Lewis by the end of that one. But uh, certainly, the Mercedes cars a long way behind, and even uh, Vettel and Reich. And we're, we're a fair distance uh, behind Max Verstappen last uh, last year at the Mexican Grand Prix. Anyways, that's a, a good place uh, to wrap it up there. Thank you again very much for downloading and listening to the show. Thank you for getting in touch for the tweets, for the emails. Really appreciate it. Of course, if you want to support the show, best way to do it is share it with a friend. Share it with your brother, your sister, your dad, your mom, whoever you know that's also a Formula One fan. Uh, ultimately, we're all Formula One fans here and love uh, talking about it and, and sharing all the news and, and stories. And, and my analysis and two cents for whatever it's worth each and every week. And of course, uh, another way you can help us out here is go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download uh, your podcasts from and leave us a, a nice rating and review. And uh, we appreciate those all very much. Anyways, time for me to get out of here. Enjoy the Mexican Grand Prix this weekend. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Ciao for now. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com